You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. You, you feel this, this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show, the Packernet Podcast Network. If you'd like to call in, if you'd like to participate in the show, please feel free to do so. The phone number here is 608-501-0718. New callers go directly to the front of the line. You stupid Discord. (laughs) The badooping is the worst thing on planet Earth. Why don't you just mute it? I do. But then you open it again and then another tab and it badoops all over again. It's going to mute every single thing I have in there. Except then I'm going to want to know. And it's like, well, I don't know. I missed it. Anyways, new callers go to, to the front of the line if I could speak. We do have a new caller. New caller, what's going on? Daddy! Hey. Long time listener, first time caller here, brother. Hey. Um, name is Snacks. Snacks? <laughs> Man, it, just two things. I hope you said um, Snacks, because that's your name now. How how great is it to be rooting for a team again? Yeah. Instead of hanging on, you know, whether or not G.I. Joe is a safe doll to buy my kid at Christmas from the former quarterback and everything he's doing. I mean, it's it's just so refreshing. And the energy that that, that team has, man, it may not amount to anything this season, but it's it's hard to argue um, what they're building there. Yep. And that kind of leads to the second thing. Um, just think of all the mistakes and how, um, I mean, straight up poorly they played. I, I can't remember the last time we had an offensive penalty performance like that right I mean, it was it was hopeless um but i do think you know for confidence and for conviction and for growth to see a lot of those guys that that drop balls like reed and you know some of the other issues to come back and do what they did i mean it can only it can only mean good things man so, feeling good, man. What a great win. That that was a lot of fun, man. A lot of fun. Looking forward to seeing how this all this all develops. So, take care, bud. Thanks. The one thing that dawned on me, I was going back through and looking at some of the post-game comments and whatnot, and, um, you know, it kind of reminds me of Detroit. We 
talked about for years about how, you know, they, they really had a good rah-rah coach and, you know, things started to really materialize. We'll see what happens this year. I mean, they're they're two and one just like we are. Might kind of turn into a powerhousey thing. They seem like they're not as good as last year. Let's just be honest about that. But the, the point is, the rah-rah only works if you give them something to believe in and then you demonstrate it. You can say things like next man up, but it's just words until you go out there and you actually win. You can talk about, you know, the the belief in the team and, and playing for each other and all that, but if they lose that game, they somewhat get disillusioned. But winning that game, now again, you can win it 25 to, to 10, and that's great, and it's going to help build you up in different ways, but winning this game helps to bring to life other things that were just words prior to this game. Did so for the fan base, too. You know, I mean, again, we, we have plenty of reasons to be, you know, skeptical about certain things and wonder and worry, but there are certain boxes checked and certain things that we can believe in now as a fan base, just like the team can in that locker room, that we otherwise wouldn't have if we didn't win in that exact fashion. And to see the coach, you know, I mean, even after the locker room speech, go out and talk to The Rock and talk about, you know, it's hard to not get emotional and you can tell he's getting choked up talking about it. I mean, this is a this is a, a mover type of thing. You know, this this is going to move them in a direction that is a very positive direction. It's also, you know, we, we tend to focus on, you know, Jordan Love and the performance there and the young guys, and that's for good reason. You know, the coach needs to believe in the players. The players need to believe in the coach. The players need to believe in each other. These are young guys, you know, even Jordan Love, he, he, figuring out what he can do and, and, you know, Reed and Musgrave and even Watson, who is not playing, but still seeing what, what the team has. These are young guys that don't know anything that are starting to build an understanding of something. And the understanding is moving in a positive direction, but it also is great for the defense because they got skewered last week. And, you know, to some degree, they're still getting skewered. But regardless of what some of the talking points are outside of the locker room, this is a galvanizing moment for the defense. You gave up 10 points. Rashawn Gary was on a snap count and got three sacks. I mean, this guy might be the most dangerous pass rusher in football. Kenny Clark, I mean, I I didn't get all the way through last week's game to see how Kenny Clark did. And I know the run defense was putrid across the board. But that first defensive series, Kenny Clark wrecked that whole thing. And starting off this game, Kenny Clark just destroyed <laughs> the, the opposing team. So um, he seems to be off to a very good start, at, at least from a pass rushing standpoint, which I mean, I think at this point, that's sort of what we're fingers crossed hoping for from him. I mean, I think that's what the defensive coordinator, Joe Barry, is asking to be an aggressive pass rush sort of football team. And, you know, some of the other stuff maybe has fallen by the wayside. But you know what? At this point, with Kenny kind of seemingly declining, if, if we can just say, let's just set aside this and let's just cut him loose and tell him to go get the quarterback and he can do that at a high level, I think I'm okay with it. But, you know, again, it's, it's, a, it's a big moment for the entire team. It's a big moment for the defense and the offense. And, um, you know, we need them to, to believe as much as they can. To really think that, you know, again, as much as you might think it's nonsense, to believe that this is a new era. And, and, you know, the, the old era is gone, the new era is here, and it's something special. And, and we're just getting started, but, man, it's looking good right out of the gate. It's important, man. Wow, that was something. This is Aaron from Eau Claire, and I, uh, I got to say, I was listening to the radio broadcast rather than watching the, the game today while I did chores, and at first my reaction was, good thing I have the Packers game to make these chores a little bit more 
more fun. And then as I, as the first three quarters of the game were going, I was like, I'm glad I'm doing chores because at <laughs> least I'm getting something out of this. Um, so that that uh, someone's doing something productive. That was brutal. And then in the fourth quarter, we're all used to this team kind of melting down, not getting it done when there's a chance to make a comeback. And I mean, they did definitely, you know, fumble through a few attempts at uh, some drives that went three and out. But the defense, with all the injuries, came through. The pass rush, I thought, from just listening. I mean, Rashawn Gary had a number of sacks and pressures. Um, and honestly, like, I don't know that I would want a, the game to go any differently because right. I get that. For so many years, this narrative has been that the Packers can't, you know, overcome adversity. They can't uh, keep battling, and they kind of just give up and fall and just go, well, I guess we'll just play again next week, you know. But I think this showed what Jordan Love was made out of because this is really the first game where he truly just couldn't find any answers for the first three quarters. And to see him just come back, not only get the touchdown, well, the two touchdowns, and then the, the two-point conversion was unbelievable. Yep. And to top it all off, it was their kicker, not ours, yeah, that, right? uh, that missed the field goal <laughs> and lost them the game, which we were all worried about in the preseason that Andres Carlson would lose his right. game. That, that's a fantastic point. I mean, I, I'll, I'll take that one on the chin personally, and I still expect him to make a mistake at some point, but you know, in the offseason, I said, look, I'm not saying he can't become a great kicker. What I am saying is it's not going to just flip a switch week one, right? He's bad. And this is going to take time to get better. And, and I went on to say, he, this guy's going to lose us a game at some point. D depending on how you want to define win a game, he won the game for us. I mean, he accounted for four points. You know what I mean? I mean, he, he kicked a field goal that was good, and then that, ex that extra point, if we don't get it, it's a different game. And so, yeah, in the battle of kickers, our guy came through. And their guy didn't, and that ultimately made the difference. Now, yeah, there's a lot of different things that made the difference. It's kind of like when you say there's two kinds of people. Well, yeah, but, I mean, you can split that up a billion different ways. You could, there's also three kinds of people and ten kinds of people, depending on what we're talking about. But, yeah, he has been a, a pleasant surprise, and I'm going to hold my breath still every single time. But, you know, I mean, at the very least, he's on track to be a good kicker. You know, I mean, he could, he'll miss one here and there, but that's what all kickers do. Um Unless he just goes through a real bad slump at some point, it just seems like we're good, which is shocking to me. I mean, e even even now on this side of it, you know, it's I'm still looking at it going, how is that possible? How can you struggle that much? I mean, you just brutal. And then week one, a, f a switch just gets flipped and it's like, no, I'm good. Like, literally, I'm good. I'm good at this. I'm good now. I'm, I'm very good, actually. Like, okay, thank you. Great, thanks for that. See the, uh, I would say the only real, real egregious sin of this game, other than the offense, the way they played the first three quarters, and all the penalties, um, was the kickoff return. That was sounded like yeah, I that didn't sucks see it, but that a lot. Like it was bad, um, and and it you know it also makes it 
again, it's a good thing that the game ended the way that it did. And and if we had won the game kind of comfortably this way, it almost might have felt like we didn't deserve it. So it probably is better that it was like this really tough comeback kind of thing. But it did make it closer than it needed to be. You know, I mean, it could have could have just gone a completely different way. But um, yeah, that's that's unfortunate. I mean, he is a he is a speed threat, no doubt. But that's not an excuse. I mean, we we he hasn't done that. I don't think ever in his career, if I'm not mistaken. I even looked at him prior to, and I, I said it on the podcast. I'm like, oh, that guy's, you know, that's the really fast guy, so you got to watch out. But he's he didn't grade out very well. He didn't uh, didn't have a ton of big returns, if, if I remember correctly. So it, it was kind of a he's a threat, but he's not really a threat at the same time. And so you expect a Rich Passaccia special teams to uh, be able to lock that down, and th- that one just got away from him. I'm not, I'm not sure who's, who's to blame for that entirely, but... Um, yeah, that's that's pretty unfortunate. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, it looks like the defense gave up 17 points on the scorecard, but they really only gave up 10 points, right. which, considering that we didn't have, uh, and of course, you know, we we did have the injury to Derek Carr, which definitely swung the game uh, in our favor at that point. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I kind of, I'm I'm kind of okay with the way the defense played. They didn't allow a rusher to take over the game um they allowed some yeah i mean he got cut off there at the three minute mark um but he does call back in a little bit but it's two calls later so i'm not sure if it's the continuation or what but yeah i mean like i said it's it's a galvanizing moment for the defense i mean i mentioned that this defense was tailor-made i mean that the the saints offense is tailor-made for every defense in existence because they suck but they're specifically tailor-made for our defense which is a really prolific pass rushing unit and i i I think even when Jameis came in it made it better not because Jameis is significantly worse and you can argue he is if you want that's fine but you got to remember what is Jameis? Jameis really likes to drop back and sling it he wants to go 40 yards on every play that's exactly what we want and i'm not saying that's what he did but i mean he's just he's built i mean he was he was handmade by joe barry and placed in their offense but even with high expectations for our defense, I mean, it, it's it's easy to say that they exceeded those expectations by only giving up 10 points. I mean, I said coming into this, there is no excuse. You have to dominate. You have to carry the water in this game. That's just the way it is. You know, the offense and the situation it's in up against the, the fourth best defense in the entire NFL. If the if our defense doesn't come through, we, we, we will lose this game 100%. And they came through. And that's what we need. And that's what we're going to continue to need moving forward because there's going to continue to be mistakes and guys running wrong routes and, you know, miscommunications and bad this and bad that. So, you know, I mean, man, if if, there's such an easy path to this being a legitimately good team, but it starts with getting our guys back. You know what I mean? Like, just keep believing, keep playing hard and fast, you know, on defense, just keep up that energy. Don't, don't just decide one day we're not going to get it done. You know, we can't have Jair just disappear and we can't let a run game just completely take over and then we get gassed because we can't get off the field on 17 play drives and then we give up scores on these drives. Like that kind of nonsense cannot happen. So if the defense can continue to do that, even against, you know, top 20 offenses, which this was not, and the offense can clean it up like in every facet of the game on top of actually getting some of the playmakers back, it's just sitting there waiting. You know, it, it, the, I think the larger point is it doesn't have to be this hard. We make it so hard on ourselves. D- defense, you're good. 
Okay? You're really good at football. Just please be good. And then offense, like, you know, learn it. Figure out what you need to do. And stop making mistakes. And get healthy. And then, then, then we're fine. Let's skip ahead to AA, Ron, just to see if this is a continuation of the last call. Hey, just finishing up uh, my thought. Yeah, th- nothing is. super egregious. So, um, I mean, I'll take it. Yeah, the, the offense definitely had too many penalties. But, you know, we've been talking about how this is a younger, less experienced team. And that's just going to happen. You know, they didn't have David Bakhtiari out there. They didn't have uh, a lot of their key players on offense. And to, for them to still get it done, not make excuses, yep. next man up. Uh, even if it was an ugly game for the first three quarters. Um, it's kind of the opposite of the Falcons game. So it's kind of funny that way. Falcons game, they were the yep. first three quarters team. Today, they were an only fourth quarter team. But hey, you know, at least, I mean, we're, we're going into week four, two and one. So I can't really say I'm mad about that. And, uh, the fact that Jordan Love just put this game on his shoulders and and led the team to victory, boy, that is sweet. Yeah, and, you know, next week, as we look forward to it, it's another team that is even maybe more tailor-made um, for the Green Bay Packers. I mean, they, they beat Atlanta, right? They're, they're, their defense shut down Atlanta. Atlanta scored six points in that game, which is staggering. <laughs> <laughs> because not only because of what they did to us, but the fact that Detroit's defense is trash. Like they suck at football. But either way, Detroit is another team that's sort of built for both our offense and our defense. Like, I mean, we'll see. Maybe Detroit's defense just suddenly figured it out and got good at football. But this should be a big relief for our offense, especially if we get, please, can we just get half the guys back? I mean, I'm, I'm trying to be greedy and say, can we get three guys back? I mean, it's at home, so that's that's got to be good for, for Bakhtiari. I mean, if it was at Ford Field, I would feel less confident just because, you know, there's the risk of a heightened risk of continued injury. So if you're kind of on the fence with Bakhtiari, maybe you're like, yeah, I don't know. But, man, I, I, we, I would just love to have David Bakhtiari back. Aaron Jones makes such a big difference. Christian Watson would absolutely help in, in a myriad of ways. I guess it's myriad ways, not myriad of ways. Stupid. It sounds dumb. I don't like it. Stupid Cambridge Dictionary, idiot. Anyways, continuing. It's of if it's a noun, I guess. I don't know. I always say myriad of no matter what. Freaking hate grammar. English is the worst. I mean, art was probably the worst class ever, but English was up there. I hated it so much. It's amazing. Something I mastered when I was like five years old is such a hard thing. <laughs> like I could speak it real good, like, but learning, learning how to speak it is just too much. But no, I mean, offense and defense. The, 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 you, you, you would look at it if this was 2022 and say, look, this is one we need the offense to carry because the Detroit Lions offense is legit, freaking dynamic, elite, scary. But, um, you know, from, from a offense, our offensive standpoint, their defense is bad. So we need to score points and see if our defense can kind of do whatever. They scored 20 points at home. At home. Like, I've, I've said it before. They scored, I think, 33 points per game at home last year. I mean, they, they lost to Seattle, which they didn't lose at home very much, if at all, last year. Then they get a second game at home, and they won it, but they won it because of their defense. And their offense only scored 20 points against the Falcons. 
Now, maybe we're learning that the Falcons' defense is actually a truly elite premier defense. That may be the case. I don't know. We're still learning 2023 as we go along. I'm sure via DVOA at this time, we're going to have Detroit or uh, Atlanta way up there. And the Saints, by the way, which is going to end up reflecting highly on our offense. But, but I mean, th- th- there's, this, there's a really good opportunity here. I mean, Detroit's always tough. And they have the ability to be a good football team. They have the ability to stress our defense, but they're not putting it out there. And now they got to go on the road where they are not as good, not nearly as good as they are when they're at home. And we have a struggling offense for our defense to feast upon. And it is a struggling offense that, I mean, at least historically, really bad at running the ball. They're, they're a throwing team. That plays right into our hands. Yes, it's a tougher offense or uh, offensive line, although I think they've got some injuries. We'll delve more into that very, very soon because we have to. Because we have a freaking game on Thursday, let's go. But um, no, actually, they ran the ball quite well. It looks like uh, Jameer Gibbs four point seven yards per attempt against the Falcons. Bam Knight, whoever that is, at four point three yards per attempt. I don't know, man. I don't. I don't know what's going on anymore. <laughs> Apparently, the Lions are struggling to throw the ball, but are becoming a rushing team. Craig Reynolds had almost four yards per attempt in this game. Amon Ross St. Brown had four, so they probably averaged over four yards per carry in this. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm coming into this, at least as of right now, I got a little bit more to, to kind of get caught up on as far as what Detroit's doing. But this this looks like a, a perfect test for our team. You're at home again, which is great. The Detroit Lions defense has lots of weaknesses. It is not as good as the last two defenses you just faced. The offense is better than the Saints, but still, it's, it is a team that is built for you. They want to drop back and pass. Good, go get them. That's what they want to do. Now, maybe they're going to try to change that because they're going to see if we can stop the run, and maybe we can, maybe we can't. I don't know. Every team's going to do that. Every team is going to see, can we just run the ball all day on you? Or So we're going to have to nip that in the bud. But then when we do, they're going to settle into the old Lions offense, and that should be exactly what our defense wants. Should be. Should be. Should be. Should be. Anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a break? Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy is where you can support the podcast, and you can do so for just as little as $1 per month. Can you believe that? It's truly staggering stuff if you think about it. Anyways, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Ryan, this is uh, Washington Metro, a.k.a. Gabriel. What's up? Like I said before, I don't actually live in Washington, but just from before. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the end of that game, my goodness. I I mean, I literally, not ashamed to admit, cried for a second. There you go. That was incredible. Uh, I mean, uh, there's so many things I could say about it. But at the end of the day, you know, that's the kind of signature game that we're looking for from a guy like Jordan Love, I think. You know, I, I actually had the good fortune to be at the uh, the, the game, and I think it was 2018 when uh, the season opener when Aaron Rodgers went down and we were 0-17 against Chicago in the end of the first half. And I was sitting out there at halftime, and when he came out, it was a big deal. Um, and I know it wasn't exactly like that this game, but to come back from that game, to come back from this game, it had that same kind of energy. And it's the kind of game I think I'm going to go back and just say that's when Jordan Love showed that he had it. Anyway, let me know what you think. Appreciate it. Bye. Well, I mean, it's 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 a step, you know. Um, I mean, if, if if he ends up being the guy... Some people will probably point to this performance because, because again, this is all kind of personal for everybody. When when it clicked for you, some people were sold in the preseason, like he's the dude, and it's just a matter of like, see, I told you, see, I told you. Every week, you got more people coming on board saying, see, I told you. Um, I'm still, like I said, I'm still not a hundred percent on board. I saw JJ put a, a tweet out on on Twitter X, whatever, asking that question. It was it was I want to say like eighty twenty saying like he's the dude so i'm i'm in the 20 percent saying like i just you know there's still a couple of things that are in the unbelievably bad column and until we get some kind of a resolution on that you know well it's the receivers drops it's guys running wrong routes and then a handful of of missed passes where if those other things got cleaned up he'd be closer to league average or something which i don't think that that's true but um yeah, I mean, there's there's still just some major question marks. I mean, we we had to get to this point to begin with, you know, and it wasn't all everybody else's fault. Jordan played a, a part in us going over for three quarters. So, I mean, it's it's a big step, you know, and it is a it is another box checked. His ability to come back, his ability to play at a high level, and there's no question. I mean, the, you know, I, I think part of it is. Jordan is the same guy that I thought he was in the preseason when I started watching him. 
even before this, I, I said, anybody that thinks that this guy can't throw, you could see it in college, his ability to make unbelievable throws. Uh, like I said, his ceiling is Pat Mahomes, but his floor is kind of low also. And I think most people kind of saw Jordan as maybe at best some kind of mediocre game manager. And it's like, you don't, you've never watched this guy play, obviously. That's not his trajectory. He's never going to be that guy. And then you go out and watch him play. And, you know, again, the, the whole Aaron Nagler thing, the guy's kind of a gunslinger and I kind of dig it. Yeah, dude. I mean, that's, that's Jordan. Jordan is even more so than Rodgers. He's a gunslinger. He wants to sling it around the yard. Like I said, he's closer, in my opinion, to Brett Favre than Aaron Rodgers. I think having played behind Aaron Rodgers, he's sort of like a more careful and refined version of Brett Favre. And, um, you know, that sounds like the ultimate elite player, and, and, and it, it can be, but there's still some issues that need to be ironed out. Um, but it's materialized into two wins, um, one very comfortable blowout win, one very close big comeback win, almost 3-0. and You know, I mean, things sort of started to devolve, and we can choose who we want to blame for that offense, defense, whatever. I think everybody can acknowledge that we've seen special from Jordan Love, and I think everybody needs to acknowledge that there are some things, you know, the completion percentage thing is, it's problematic. Um, so I don't know, you know, I mean, some guys struggle with that. And uh, it's they don't usually end up Hall of Famers. I mean, he has a completion percentage right now of 53.1. He has never thrown higher than 56%. 5556 55 and 50 have been his completion percentages. That's three games in a row of like this is really bad. I mean just to be clear, I'm looking at um since 2000 because there's a lot of quarterbacks in the 70s that, you know, had bad completion percentages. Since 2000, quarterbacks with this passer rating and quarterbacks that started at least 10 games. Ready? Jamarcus Russell, Bruce Gradkowski, Drew Stanton, Tim Tebow, Deshaun Kaiser, Mike McMahon, Ken Dorsey, Achilles Smith, and Ryan Leaf. That's the entire list of quarterbacks that have started at least 10 games and um, have a quarterback rating or a completion percentage of where Jordan Love is or worse. And 25 starts is the most, meaning if Jordan Love continues like this, He's going to break the record for most starts, maybe, unless we start losing a bunch of games because he's in terrible company. Um, I mean, literally right now, the closest of anybody at 53.1% is Deshaun Kaiser. He played 15 games and that's it. He is right on Deshaun Kaiser's (laughs) trajectory right now. So now Deshaun Kaiser didn't have any of the upside, but... Um, you know what's crazy? <laughs> if you look at uh, things like average net yards per attempt, which is a, a pretty good indicator of good players or whatever, you know who had a really high average net yards per attempt and a really low completion percentage? Tim Tebow. Tebow for Denver in 2011 played 14 games, started 11. The record was 7-4. and four. He had a 46.5 completion percentage. 1,729 yards, 12 touchdowns, 6 interceptions, 33.6 success percentage, 6 point, uh, excuse me, where is it, uh, 4.85 average net yards per attempt. And, and remember, Tim Tebow was like maybe going to be a thing for about a half a minute. 
Like, maybe he can be legit. So th- all I'm saying is this is the reason I'm concerned, because nobody in the history of the world has ever had a completion percentage like Jordan Love and been anything other than a laughing stock when you bring up their ne- name. Like Jamarcus Russell, Tim Tebow, and freaking Ryan Leaf. Even really bad quarterbacks today don't have completion percentages this low. So, again, I'm not trying to take away, but if you're asking me, are you 100% sure this guy is the guy? I can't say yes. I need resolution on this issue. Hey, Ashley, this is Washington Metro again. Sorry to call twice, but uh, I actually had two other thoughts just real quick, which is one, Rashawn Gary with, I think, three sacks. I mean, just insanity. And then the second thing is uh, Vikings going uh, 0-3. I mean, I'm sure I can speak for myself and a lot of other listeners that like, you know, laughing at the enemy or segments, uh, you know, tangential to that are quite enjoyable. So uh, I just wanted to mention, wow. All right. Bye. Yeah. Everything's kind of just awesome. (laughs) I mean, it'd be nice if the lions had lost, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm stunned to be honest, that the Vikings have started 0-3. Of course, being dead last in turnovers with nine through averaging three per game, nine turnovers in three weeks. Um, you know, it's funny. I just said that they're they're a team that should be winning if not for the turnovers, and the turnovers aren't going to continue. And then it continued in week two. <laughs> and then it continued in week three. Granted, we're down to two now, right? We're down to two turnovers. Plus, you took one back, so we're we're really closing in. I mean, it was it was a, a turnover differential of negative three and negative three for the first two weeks, and just negative one in this one. So only negative seven so far. Um, but you know what? They they broke all kinds of uh, records for winning games while sucking last year. So maybe this year they'll be a halfway competent team that wins no games because of the very unlikely occurrence of three turnovers per game, seven fumbles lost. Seven. Jeez. It's not even Kirk, man. I mean, he's thrown two picks. It's not great, but... Jeez. Seven. You know what's brutal? Uh, you, you might call it justice, but um, kind of brutal. This team won, I think, every single one-score game. They were like 11-0, not including the postseason. Every single one of these losses has been one score. They lost by three. They lost by six. They lost by four. They're 0 for 3 in one-score games. And now you put yourself behind the eight ball. I mean, in a, in a pretty massive way. Because, I mean, if you're going to... Let's say you need to win nine games. Obviously, there's more than nine games left, and you can certainly go on a run. But that means you can only lose eight. You started off with three losses, which means you can only have five more losses the rest of the season. You have the Kansas City Chiefs coming up in two weeks. Let's assume that's a loss. That means you can only lose four games... Between the Panthers, the Bears, the 49ers, the Packers, the Falcons, the Saints, the Broncos, the Bears, the Raiders, the Bengals, the Lions, the Packers, and the Lions. If we call the 49ers a loss, then you can only win, what, three? Are we down to three? Three games? With the complicated ones being the Lions twice, the Packers twice, the Saints, the Falcons. The Broncos have been scrappy. And by the way, two of these games have been at home. You've got Carolina on the road, Chicago on the road, as much as that seems not problematic, who knows. Of course, Packers and Lions on the road, Falcons on the road, Denver Broncos on the road, Raiders on the road, Bengals on the road. 
the odds of them getting to nine wins is really low at this point. Again, if we assume they lose to the Saints and 49ers, they can only win th- uh, lose three more games in that entire stretch that I laid out. There's no way. You have, I mean, they have to sweep the rest of the, the NFC North. That's not even really a question. Maybe you can lose one of those. They're not sweeping the North. I mean, the, the Packers and Lions are ahead of them right now. Even if they split with the Lions and the Packers, you got one game left. So you're going to lose one uh, of the five that you can lose. One to the Lions, one to the Packers, one to the Chiefs, one to the 49ers. You have to sweep the Bears, beat the Panthers, Falcons, Saints, Broncos, Raiders, Bengals. Cannot lose any more than one of those. Come on, man. And you started 0-3? And by the way, they had a, one of the worst defenses in football last year. Right now, just looking at points and yards, 26th and 26th. Even if we say, well, their offense is going to figure it out, you know, I mean, they're not scoring a lot of points because of the turnovers, but the third in yards, fine. They can figure it out on offense, but you still have one of the worst defenses in football. I mean, they're essentially done. One team in the NFC North is getting to the playoffs, at least. Probably just one, but at least one. And two are basically eliminated. <laughs> so, things are looking up. Oh, what's going on, Ryan? Chris from Alabama. What's up? Man, what a victory. What a victory. It was a sloppy, yep. ugly type of game. But I love how that team did not give up. And when it counted, when you had to have a drive, when you had to make something happen, you come through. That's what I'm talking Losing you, Chris. But that's the institute and all right, dude. You're gonna have to hit us back up with that one. But um, yeah, I mean that that's that's again that's that checkbox that I was talking about, and it's a big one, especially for Packer fans, because again, what we're used to is either we go out and we dominate you. I shouldn't say that. It, it's got to at least stay competitive. Or you look at it and go, yeah, this is going to be a bad day. And it usually is. So it's just nice to see that fight, man. Because it's important. I mean, if, if you're going to win football games, especially championship-type football games in the playoffs, you got to expect to get punched in the mouth. And if you can't respond, then just forget it. Just pack it in, man. Hey, Ryan. This is Andy from Kansas. Uh, half hour or so after the Packers game, victory over the Saints. Very exciting. Uh, we got to stick it out with this team uh, week after week, but you never know what's going to be there, especially if we don't have our full slate of guys. Uh, hats off to Matt LaFleur. Two-point conversion when you're down by eight puts us yeah. in a position to make the second score, which we thankfully got, uh, much, much easier. Uh, Big-time play by Jordan Love. I know his percentage wasn't very good, but 300 yards passing, and he kept at it. Uh, we needed him to do what he did today, and he went out and he did it. And he scored. He ran one in. He did what we were supposed to do there. He was not going to be denied, you know, in, in, in quite a few ways. And that's just very, very exciting. I think the fans, or I hope the fans really, really love this. Um, over on the, uh, the Minnesota Vikings side of things, by the way, notice that, as you well predicted, uh, regression to the mean as far as losing one-score games instead of winning them. Um, yeah, they swung to the other what's side. I up with <laughs> Justin Jefferson, but uh, – there was a bit of an injury there. Uh, Hawkinson might be not doing so well there. So the ups and downs of, of other teams in our division. Yeah, I think both of those guys came back in the very next play, so I think they're fine. 
questions, um, at least for today, kind of kind of favoring us. I saw the you know the faces of Minnesota Vikings fans there in the crowd, and they were looking all pale and scared. And then I realized, wait a minute, these are Northern European pale-faced people who play indoors. Maybe that's just the way they look. I don't know. We'll see what happens with with that team. But looking forward to the divisional matchup uh, on Thursday, and um, I hope we get some pieces back. I hope guys that were just about ready to go today get a little extra rest and are ready to hit it uh, solid against the Lions. Be a great matchup. Bye. So I don't know much, and it sounds like there's a lot of guys not practicing right now, although it's kind of an unusual um, schedule with the Thursday thing. But this is from Mike Garofolo. This is all I've seen so far. Packers running back Aaron Jones would have been limited in practice today as he was late last week. Uh, Sounds like he's got a good shot to return on Thursday against the Lions. So that would be the good news. We also have Bill Huber here says, um, had Packers practiced, Gary limited, Jones limited. Alexander, Bakhtiari, Campbell, Tom, Jenkins, Watson would have been did not participate. So, <laughs> man. Rashawn Gary, I mean, he was he played last week, so that's not somebody coming back. So this might be Aaron Jones coming back, but not getting back Jair, Bakhtiari, and Watson still, freaking still, and also might lose our linebacker and our right tackle. So as of right now, we'll see who is able to come back and who's going to be practicing and how things are going to go. But as of right now, we gained one and lost two. Just freaking brutal, man. The quote on Zach Tom was, I think anytime a guy isn't able to finish, it's a concern. He's doing better today. It's good that this is a downgrade in terms of pass rush, which by the way, I don't think I've I've directly mentioned it, but massive hats off to our offensive line for blocking up really well one of the better pass rush duos in the league. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson is fine, but he's not as good as one of these guys. When you compare the entire unit, the Lions defensive front is a joke compared to the Saints. It's not to say Aiden can't do something, especially against a backup, but um, I guess I'm just glad that if Tom's out, hopefully it's very short term, and, you know, thankfully it's the Lions. Hey, Ron, again, I just had one quick question for you. Maybe you can answer this for me. Um, when the special teams gives up a touchdown, does that go um, against the defense in terms of team stats? Oh, yeah. So, in other words, will Green Bay's defense be penalized seven points for this game in the stat line because of that special teams uh, gap? Yeah, I mean, the vast majority of stats are just, it's just, you know, um, what would you call it? Just counting stats. So, like, for example, and this is why a lot of these more general stats are not uh, seen as super great, but, like, points for and points against, all that is is total points divided by the games you played. Nobody's going in there and looking at who did what and what, anything like that. So that that's all that is. Um, like, PFF obviously wouldn't, but they're player-by-player player stats, so that doesn't matter anyways. But, yeah, that's... Just like a pick six from the defense would technically count for the offense, because a lot of stats are just going to be looking at points scored as a metric and then doing whatever it is they do with that. And I would assume even things like DVOA kind of work that way as well. I don't think there's a ton of statistics that are going to go in and actually root that stuff out, because most stats are not actually watching the game. They're um, 
just looking at the data after the fact. But there are things like EPA per play. Obviously, you're not going to get points for your offense if your offense isn't out there. But yeah, the vast majority of statistics are just looking at the broad picture and then, you know, dividing by whatever or manipulating manipulating it however it is that they manipulate it. I'm just not sure about that. I keep seeing the total number of points scored against a team as going against the team defensive uh, statistics, which doesn't seem fair to me, I guess. But anyways, maybe maybe you can tell me if that's true or not. Well, I, I guess I don't know what stats you're talking about. I mean, obviously the scoreboard <laughs> says what it says because that's what the score is. So, yeah, I mean, when, when you look at the statistics of scores or points given up per game or anything like that, it's it's really just looking at the scoreboard. So I don't know which stats you mean. But yeah, if you're looking at, like you said, points scored, I don't know where else you would put that other than, you know, the points. There's not like defensive points scored, offensive points scored, and special teams points scored. It's just points scored. But anyways, why don't we take uh, one more quick break? We'll be right back. Another really quick call, uh, because the Chiefs are up 14-0 right now against the Bears, and everything is looking good. Um, But one thing I noticed is that things are kind of starting to even out throughout the league is that the um, Cowboys aren't are down right now, but right. to the Cardinals and there's going to be flukes. And so it's like everyone, it's starting to get to the, the point where it's out, like the yeah. teams that are looking like absolute powerhouses are starting to show the, I know you hate this. I know you hate this word, this phrase. We're not allowed to say it. It's frowned upon. Teams are starting to show the, the damages in their armor. Um, <laughs> and the teams that started off kind of bad but are actually good teams are starting to play well. And the Vikings are 0-3. And, showing um, the damage in their armor. This is kind All of right. like we're starting to see a little bit more of the team coming through. And everyone kind of playing how their team actually is. Yes. And that's why you can't look at just one week or just two weeks because it's like nobody really knows anything after those. Um, and so, except I can look at the Bears because the Bears have sucked all three weeks and they're down 14-0 right now, which is awesome to see. But also seeing uh, the press conferences after the game, Rashawn Gary got fired up when he got when he got to talk about Jordan Love and describe Jordan Love. And it's just like you can tell the team – absolutely loves each other and that's so great to see um and because it's just like there is no doubt in anyone's mind you could tell that there was just leadership that was like we're going to win this game we're going to come back we're going to do everything that we can and it's just finally seeing a team like that is so refreshing not one that's going to back down and just go throw the ipad and whine when they're losing but one that's willing to fight back it's just, ugh. I'm living on a high for this game. And, I mean, there was obviously bad elements, and there was big negatives. But we came out with a win. Jordan Love was bound to throw a pick at some point, so glad we got that out of the way. And we move on. Here comes the Lions on Thursday. Let's go. And the Bears still suck. Who would have thought? Yeah, and the the some of these teams just have different DNAs as well in terms of 
you know, when you look over the course of the 17 games, you'll see an overall picture. And, you know, Dallas will probably be somewhat similar to what we've seen Dallas be. But in tiny little instances, you'll see just snapshots and not realize that maybe that's kind of who they are, but not for a whole season. So, for example, Buffalo beat Washington 37-3. to That's a lot more common for Buffalo than a lot of other teams. They're way more likely to pull off a game like that than pretty much any other team that would come to mind immediately. The problem is they don't do that very consistently. So that's why they, they're kind of at the top, but they're not ahead of the Chiefs and you know, a handful of other teams that will end up ahead of them in, in things like point differential or whatever other metrics you're using. And so there, there's... There's ups and downs throughout a season, and Buffalo's being Buffalo, right? Buffalo got beat week one, and pretty badly. And, and you know, if you listen to this show, then you would have known that's pretty common for them, because we went over that. They're one of the worst. I mean, the Packers are another one. They're one of the worst week one teams in football. So even though everyone's used to the 37-3 blowouts, they also kind of get the crap beat out of them in week one consistently. So it, it really, the picture that we have a lot of these teams is the picture that we know by the end of the year, what they generally look like. There's going to be some differences, but, you know, Dallas is kind of the same thing. They, they have good games, of course they do, and then they have just complete what-the-heck-was-that games. And so now everything's kind of balancing out. The only one that seems to want to stay up is Miami. So definitely got to keep an eye on that. I mean, San Francisco's flying high, but they kind of have, you know, they that's where they live generally, so we don't necessarily have to expect them to come down. Um kind of intrigued by Philadelphia and Detroit. They don't seem to quite be what they were last year, and I'm hoping that's real in both instances. We'll see. Uh, Tampa and LA, well, you maybe have already seen these by now, but I have not watched these games. Kind of questions about maybe they're a little better than we thought. But yeah, everything's kind of balancing out. Kansas City, again, they they were averaging 18.5 points a game, and then they hung up 41. So they're going to be getting right back on track, get back to their, you know, whatever it is, they usually score 28 points a game or something. Everything's falling in place. Hi, Ryan. This is Randy from Minnesota again. Hi. Oh, my gosh. Where to start? What a game. This team, this game was a building block game to me. This team came together in the tough times, and it's going to, it's got to mean something in the future when things are down. We came together. We struggled with injuries. We still came through. I'm so happy. On the other side, if you want someone really to hate besides the Bears, who are now down basically 34 to nothing, how about the Vikings? <laughs> These fans still think that they are the God's gift. We need to let them know what they are, who they are, and where they are in the food chain is planted. Anyway, thank you, Ryan, for the great show. Love it. Go Pack Go, and let Ryan Poles cook. Bye. <laughs> You know, it just kind of occurred to me how big of a game. I mean, we we know for our sake that this is a pretty big game for the the Packers and uh, for Detroit. But I would have to assume, as much as it's just complete depression for the Bears and the Vikings to have to watch this game, I would have to assume they are going to be massive Detroit Lions fans because there are three teams in the NFC North that are all sitting there looking, saying, "Please, Lord God in heaven above." Please, please, please do not let the Packers win the division. Please, anybody but them. Preferably us, but anybody but them. And for Detroit, this is supposed to be their year. Now, they're probably not super thrilled with how things have started off. But, you know, one of the biggest things is big bad man Aaron Rodgers is gone, so now we're all going to take over. And if Jordan Love takes the Green Bay Packers to the top of the NFC North, 
in just the first year. I mean, they're already probably hyperventilating at the at the realization that anybody looking at the NFC North and looking at like 2024, 2025, I'm guessing the vast majority of people are saying, yeah, this is the Packers division, which is just terrifying. But you can't hold it down for one year. You can't take it from the Packers. I mean, I understand the Vikings won last year. I get that. Let's let's be completely honest. As long as Aaron Rodgers has been here, this has been the Green Bay Packers division with a couple anomalies built into it. The very first year of him being gone, you can't keep it from the Packers. You're going to let them take it back. You can't even like sneak out a couple of NFC North wins while the Packers are trying to figure it out. Are you serious? If the Packers win this game, the Lions are, aren't going to be the only ones that are just distraught. Vikings and Bears fans are going to be absolutely miserable. And not only will the Packers be outpacing the rest of the NFC North if they win, they're going to be outpacing the vast majority of the NFL. There's only two three-win teams in the NFL right now. The Dolphins and the 49ers, and that's it. And I am shocked at that, by the way. The fact that there's only two teams through three weeks that have been able to maintain an undefeated record. And the Dolphins are facing the Bills. Now, granted, one of those teams is going to have at least three wins. The Bills either go to 3-1, and one, which is what we presume the Packers would be, or the Dolphins fall to 3-1. and one. But still, the point is there's, there's not going to be like a bunch of 4-0 and o teams out there. There's at most going to be two, meaning the Packers are going to be right there in the race with all the top teams. And again, there's so much just up in the air with the NFL right now that there's just not a lot of established dominant teams. You know, I mean, the Lions are not, the Packers are not, the Falcons are not, the Jaguars are not, the Dolphins seem to be, the Bills, I believe, are, the Vikings are not, the Panthers are not, the Broncos are not, the Bears are not. Ravens and Browns are both two and one, but eh, not so sure. Maybe you could say Baltimore is kind of an established team, sort of, but again, eh. The Steelers are two and one, but they are far from being an established team. The Texans are not. The Rams are not. The Colts are not. The Buccaneers are not. The Saints are not. The Commanders are not. The Eagles are, but again, we'll see. They could actually go to 3-0 and tonight. The Bengals are not. The Titans are not. The Raiders are not. The Chargers are not. The Patriots are not. The Cowboys are, I guess, kind of an established like playoff, but then fail on the playoffs team. And then you got, what, the 49ers and the Chiefs, and that's it? Not the Cardinals, not the Jets, not the Seahawks, not the Giants? So again, even if you can establish yourself as one of the top teams that is not one of the top, top teams, you're up there because there's really like four teams, maybe like 49ers, Chiefs, Dolphins, Bills. I guess you could say Eagles would be five and just two of those are NFC teams. So um, don't want to overhype it too much, but kind of a big game for everybody involved. Caller number five here. What's up? There was no quit. There was no feeling sorry for themselves. There was no uh, making faces or calling out stupid plays. There was accountability and continuing to fight all games, all game long, excuse me, for 60 minutes. Um, what what a game, man. Uh, it looked really sloppy at first, which you can attribute to a young team. I'll, I would love to see it cleaned up, obviously. Young team is not an excuse for that many penalties. But the fact that they did this without their number one um, left tackle, left guard, running back, wide receiver, uh, cornerback, linebacker, uh, like I just, you know what I mean? This is this is unbelievable. And and when can we now that Arizona looks like it's about to beat the Cowboys? When can we have the conversation about um, Rashawn Gary, Defensive Player of the Year? When when does that conversation start? Because that man is. Uh, I think the the thing that's going to keep him out of that conversation is the fact that he's on a pitch count. Um. I mean, if he's able to keep pace statistically while being on a pitch count, then he's definitely going to be at the front of the line. But I just don't see him maintaining 
that pace, unless unless they start unleashing him soon. But by PFF's count, Rashawn Gary is fifth in sacks. So TJ Watt has six. Uh, Tuli Tuipulotu for the Chargers has five. Miles Garrett has five. Daniil Hunter has five. And then Rashawn, Micah Parsons, Montez Sweat, Matt Judon, Leonard Floyd, and Dinico, Danico Autry. So we're talking 10 guys are in that realm. Now, if anybody looked at the fact that Rashawn Gary has just 57 snaps as opposed to, you know, I mean, the only guy with less than 100 is Leonard Floyd with 70. TJ Watt, who's leading everybody, has 177. 136, 120, 191 for Daniil Hunter. 136, 148, 143. But again, nobody's really going to care. Plus, they want the big name. So right now, if it was if if we just hit stop and said who's the guy, it's probably TJ Watt. He's got a 92.2 PFF grade. Not that anybody necessarily looks, but I think they peak. Six sacks. Otherwise, Miles Garrett, 94 PFF grade, five sacks. That's going to be ahead of Rashawn Gary. Dude's got an 80 PFF grade and four sacks. What's crazy is if he had as many opportunities as Daniil Hunter, if he kept the same pace, he'd already have double-digit sacks in three weeks. If you just gave him the same amount of opportunities as Daniil Hunter, 13.4 sacks. Also, if he had as many snaps as he had in his uh, highest career amount of snaps, which was 722, he would have 50 sacks. Just to give you, I'm not saying that that's what would happen. I'm just giving you a perspective on how absolutely absurd his numbers are right now. Hey, it's Jimmy. Hey. Wow. What a what a fun game. I definitely had moments where I was like, well, we're screwed. Well, we're screwed. <laughs> to say oh, my God, what a sloppy game. I can't believe this. But you know what, man? What a comeback, obviously. And also uh, just really cool to see teams sticking together and, uh, and, and somehow pulling out a win that they had no business having given all the people that didn't play. And um, – that one crazy play where Lewis tossed the ball back to him, um, man, that was so much fun. It was such a cool – I know it didn't work. I know everything went to hell with it. But uh, it still almost worked with all those things going wrong. It still almost worked. Um, and maybe is – I hear people say, uh, you know, there's, there's just simplify and don't get too cute and whatnot. I have to say – I don't think that is the character of the team. I don't think it's the character of Lafleur. I think, and, and to be fair, I don't want that to be the case. I've seen some people say like, "Stop getting so cute. Stop running all these trick plays." I don't want that. I love it. For the record, they're all working, but for the execution. It's not like these are stupid play calls. You know, where you got one of those plays where you, like you line up half your team over on the left side of the field and half over the middle of the field, and then it just gets blown up like just stupid stuff. This is well-drawn-up plays that are working, right? The flea flicker technically worked because it was pass interference. The other play, again, the guy was wide open. The running back just threw it short. The quarterback went to go get it and then about broke his ankles and his kneecaps trying to throw that ball. But it was it was, it was was right there. So and, and I like it. I, like you said, it's the DNA of the team. We got a gunslinger quarterback. We got a coach that wants to go all in. He wants to go deep into his bags. I feel like we've been begging for that for a long time. We get tired of this. I mean, I remember back in the... You know, I don't know exactly when, but for for a long stretch of time, it was run, run, pass, run, run, pass, run, run, pass. Like, come on, man, you got to be freaking kidding me! I mean, there have been stints where it's like this is the most predictable freaking offense every single time. I mean, even just the 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 third and two forty yard pass, like, I mean, that was pretty predictable. You could say it was a a tricky play if you want to, but everybody saw it coming. 
So I like it, man. And we love the creativity of teams like the Chiefs. We're, we're seeing the creativity with the 49ers and with Miami. And it's like, that's what we should be getting with that core group of guys. And we finally got it. And just because a couple guys can't execute properly doesn't mean they can't keep practicing and getting better and shouldn't keep trying to be the absolute best. I mean, is that the goal? I mean, maybe we could just try to be a Big Ten team that just runs the ball up the middle and just has a really road grading offensive line and wins that way just by, you know, being better than everyone. But that's not my preference. I, I like what we're doing. I like the aggressiveness. I like the creativity. And I like that it's working. And I want to keep doing it. And I just think the guys need to step it up and do a better job of executing. And we've got a heck of a football team. To maintain this energy and this spark, they have to keep trying things. Yeah, definitely. And the more stuff they try like that, the more that's out there on film, too, to give other teams things to think about. Yeah. But also, it just shows confidence in those guys. And... uh and it keeps them excited. And that, that thing could have worked. I mean, one of those things is going to work. I mean, we had Keyshawn Nixon on offense. Yeah. That worked. Love it. So uh, they did what they had to do today. Um, I also like the up-tempo. Obviously, that was really, really, um, you know, I always wonder why teams don't do that more when they need to, like, get things moving. And just I love the idea that they're keeping the same defensive personnel on the field so that they can uh, – checking my time. Oh, good. I got to hold it a minute. Uh, <laughs> so that they can, you know, know what they're getting to some extent. They don't know every formation and whatnot, but they at least know the personnel. They're eliminating a variable. So that hurry up, man, I wish we'd do that a little bit more often. Um, but yeah, that was a good, good time. Now it's just time to sit back and, and chill till Thursday when we get to try to do it to the Lions. Go Pack Go! Yeah, I mean, you understand it from the standpoint of you want to take your time, you want to make sure you get in the right play, and then you got to make sure you got the right personnel, and you got to make sure that you're reading the defense and you're getting a good read on everything so that you're you're understanding everything. I mean, that's part of this thing with Jordan Love and um, you know his ability to understand the offense and read the defense and make the right reads and the right all this that and the other. You know that comes with taking time, but at the same time, yeah, you you if you do, and I think trust is a big element of it too. If you've got the guys that can handle it, and you trust that I can, you as a coach can get the calls in real quick, and that the offense can just you know use their hand signals or how I don't even know exactly how they go about setting all that up. But you you got to trust that you've got the guys to go out and attack, and if you can do it, man, you can really stress a defense, and you can tire out a defense, especially when they're not able to substitute, and then you can start slamming them with a the run game start pulling an Aaron Rodgers and you catching them as they're trying to quickly substitute like nope I don't think so and you just start gassing these guys you know and and even situationally it would be kind of cool like if if you got like a a fourth and one and you're going to go for it and you're going to you you know you're going to put Tucker Craft behind Jordan Love and you're going to push what I also want to make sure that we do just as an idea you're essentially calling two plays this play and then get to the line and run the next play because if they're out there trying to stop a fourth and one they're not exactly going to be ready to stop a first and 10 now, you could say you're not either, but, eh. I mean, let's let's take Tucker Craft off the field and put in Luke Musgrave. Who, who who do we not have that we need out there? We just spread those same guys out. And that's that's where the, the benefit of the versatility comes in. That's what's nice about having a, a big tight end that's also really, really fast, who can help use a little bit of that bulk, but also then you can flex him out and he can go run down the field. And you keep those guys out there the whole game, these these big defensive tackles trying to stop a fourth and one, Maybe, they've, maybe they're subbing out their safeties and their linebackers in those situations. That's perfect. You stay out here, and we're just going to spread it out the whole time, and we're just going to attack you down the field. I, I guess the point is be ready for those moments. I'm not saying the whole game, but just be ready for those unique situations. I mean, you could even conversely say if it's like a third and 15, 
You convert a third and 15, you run to the line, you start running. Get A.J. Dillon, get Aaron Jones, and we're, we, now we're going to go a big boy, bring the boys inside, bring the tight ends inside, and we're going to run it up the gut because they're running dime. So obviously nothing is all the time, right? It, it, we can't be all the time in man coverage or zone coverage. We can't run high tempo all the time. We can't run trick plays all the time. But it's good that we have these in our back pocket, and it would be good to kind of, especially now that we see that it was successful, because that is a thing that I think takes time to develop, especially for a team where it's like, man, we're not able to do anything right right now, to trust them to just get up tempo and just attack down the field. It's nice to have that in your back pocket. So if you kind of catch them up against the ropes, you can just start unleashing a fury. But anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. You guys have a good rest of your day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.